Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, the podcast where my co-host and I talk about some games that we've been playing over the last two weeks. Uh, and for once, it's not been Three Hopes. I have finished Three Hopes. You're not going to hear me mention Three Hopes after this last mention I just fit in there. Uh, but we are going to talk about two games that we've never talked about on the podcast before. And of course, when I say we... I am referring to my lovely co-host Walter C. Eddie's Fedchuck. Walter, how you doing, bud? I man, I am I am wonderful. I am having such a great day. We are recording on Thursday night, September 9th, as we usually do on a Thursday night. Uh, my Buffalo Bills went in to Chase's new hometown of Los Angeles and kicked the Rams ass. On national sure TV, did. we destroyed the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, but no, actually, actually, it's it's been really great, and uh, you know this this comes out on a Monday, so on Saturday of this week, uh, I will be doing something I have not done in a very in, in probably like ten years at this point. I will be playing in person paper magic um at an event here in rochester uh called commander sealed uh which is a tournament um where where you play commander you know drafting from packs uh and it's raising money for the uh the trevor project so i'm very excited i'm I'm very very excited to do that Uh, i will get to uh see friend of the podcast amanda stevens for the first time in like three years since I lived in Vegas. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. I have, uh, well, when this comes out, I'll have a week, but as of right now, I have a week and a half to learn how to play commander and not make an ass of myself. Uh, so yeah, it, it'll mm. be fun. Uh, what about you, Chase? What have you been up to? Well, first of all, uh, I can't say anything about commander, but if you're going to play sealed, uh, the answer is green. Uh, that's, that is a tried and true I don't know what the meta is. I'm not basing this off of any actual analysis, except for the few sealed events that I've played in in Magic in the past. And green is, oh, you're just going to have some beat sticks. And there are a lot of decks that won't have answers to beat sticks. And it's the safest bet you've got. That's my advice. Do with it what you will. Um, As for me, I've been, God, I've been so much at the grind for a lot of dumb things that aren't worth putting on a podcast. I will say that, I guess I, I should say I turned 30 this past weekend. That, that was a thing that happened. That you did. I had a really lovely day. I was joined by a whole bunch of, of friends to, to play some Jackbox games uh, that you were able to join us for, which was wonderful. And then I went out to Korean barbecue with some friends, which uh, was a bit... The, the, that restaurant was really harsh in terms of uh, how they let you uh, get seated at the table. We almost lost our table because one of our people was running a couple minutes late um, but it all worked out and the food was delicious and then we came back and i drank too much alcohol and played some board games and it was a really great night and i felt really loved and appreciated which is really all you want from a birthday especially when it's one of those birthdays that changes the number in the tens digit rather than the ones digit, which I know does not actually make a difference in any meaningful way. It is completely arbitrary, as are all things we use to signify time at the end of the day. But it did feel different, and uh, because I had awesome people around me, it all worked out. So, so, so Chase, when you when that. you woke up that next morning, you got your your AARP card, your walker, and the keys to your rascal, right? 
When I woke up that morning, I made my way back to bed and never got out of it. That was not, I did not have the energy to get an AARP card. I had to do that the next day. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But I, look, I am of the belief that the memories will last a lot longer than the hangover did. So therefore it was a worthwhile trade. A thing that is a lot easier to say now than it was on Sunday. But Walter, we're not here to talk about um, the, the Bills going on a, a streak or Magic the Gathering tournaments or even my irresponsible birthday drinking. No, we are here to talk about some video games that we have been playing. So I have to ask, what have you been playing? To be fair, irresponsible is the only type of drinking you should be doing on your birthday. Uh, I decided to make <laughs> that joke instead of saying that I played Three Hopes because call back to the beginning of the episode but you know what it would be funny if one of these days i was just like so chase secretly in the background i've spent 100 hours and i played three hopes and now i'm gonna force you to talk about it again uh no we'll do it (laughs) don't tempt me (laughs) so so based on our recording schedule uh when we initially thought we were going to record after this episode after we did players uh, i didn't have a lot of time to play games i i had been on vacation i had other priorities so i was like hey i'm gonna choose something quick and easy i can put a few hours into it i can get a good understanding of it uh you know be able to talk about it for you know 20 minutes or so So I was looking around, I was like, all right, what do I want to play? What do I want to play? What do I want to play? Multiplayer, do I just want to talk about League? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? And uh, a Twitter acquaintance, uh, Gordon Ponza, who used to run the the Halo live tweeting threads, he has been all about on Twitter this game called Rumbleverse. And from the the tweets that he had made about it, from the clips that he had posted, from some of the little things, I was like, I like wrestling. Like, this this might be up my alley. This could be kind of interesting. So Rumbleverse, it's a battle royale game. And I'll just be up front. It's got the kind of cartoony graphics and and over-the-top visuals that, like, Fortnite has. It's very much Epic Games-style cartoonish graphics in a battle royale and you go walter okay if it's a battle royale what's the gimmick here like uh, do the guns shoot pigs or something like no no no. there's no guns it's a brawler it's a melee game and that's where all the wrestling comes into it because you're doing you're doing chops you're doing drop kicks you're doing uh suplexes you're doing uh, you're doing giant swings. You're doing all of this wrestling shit. You're hitting each other with chairs, with boards, with baseball bats. It is it is wild, wacky brawler fun with a battle royale twist. And and I would say, from I I played about five to six hours of this game. I did not put a lot of time into it, as we will get to in a few moments. Um, but it is everything that it says on the tin it it if you just looked at a screenshot of this game or just a 30 second clip of someone playing it you meet and and just they say it's a battle royale you completely understand what's going on here and i would say at times as you're playing it you kind of forget it's a battle royale until you get the like oh the circle is closing thing um it's fun it, it, it's a lot of fun. So it's it's a brawler, wrestling-style, multiplayer battle royale. Do I have your attention now? 
I mean, you do, especially because by my understanding, all of the official wrestling games have been terrible for a while now. So this seems like it's filling a void as far as giving people that sick wrestling combat that they've been looking for. Is it character driven or is it like anyone can get any power if they get the drop that gives it to them? Because it is based on a drop system, if I understand correctly. Yes, there there are no like classes or, or characters. This isn't like a hero shooter like Overwatch or anything like that. It's 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 a battle royale. You have a, a character that you can like adjust what they look like, the you know, how big they are, what their hair color is, look, eye color. You can get costumes, you can purchase a battle pass where you'll be given numerous unlocks. You can purchase certain costumes that are sold in the store. Uh, you know, all these jazzes. But at the end of the day, you are uh, at the mercy of the the drops what you're able to pick up and the skills that you personally have. Uh, playing the game i will say that you know as much as I say it's wrestling it is much more fighter uh fighter oriented and that it, you know fighting game oriented and that it has combinations and there's blocking and there's chaining and there's invisibility frames and there are, are, are all of these things that you would expect from a fighting game it's just that it's happening in a 40 player you know battle royale setting where uh you could run around for five minutes and not run into anyone and stack up all of these you know cool moves and and all these bonuses from these pots that increase the strength of your your hits or your jumping or your stamina and all that jazz or you land on a on you know the roof of a building and there's 10 other people there and at the end of this two of you are going to walk away with 10 health apiece it it is very much what you expect from a fortnite style um battle royale um except it's it, it's the fighting game kind of combat system um and it's fun i would say the the very first game i played um, I placed fourth and I was like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, this is fun. It's kind of cool to elbow drop on someone from the top of a skyscraper and kill them. And then I kept <laughs> playing and then I kept playing and then I kept playing and then I kept playing and I ran into a fault that I think I personally probably have, but I think that a, a number of people probably have with multiplayer games especially when they've played a particular multiplayer game for a large number of years um, i've played league for like 12 years and i run into this anytime i sort of start getting into a competitive multiplayer game whether it's counter-strike overwatch fortnite PUBG, smite heroes of the storm rumbleverse is these games are competitive you know you're you're setting out a certain amount of time to play the game you know an average league game you're saying 35 45 minutes rumbleverse probably you know 15 20 minutes fortnite 15 20 minutes whatever but you're setting out a certain block of time as you play each of the games and i am i am old by esports standards i'm turning 31 in october I am past my prime. I'm not very good at video games. So if you're not very good at video games and you're not going to be a professional at video games, why are you going to put numerous hours into a competitive video game? Especially when you have another one 
that you've already invested 12 years of your life into it. And as I played Rumbleverse, I was getting frustrated because as much as it was fun, as much as hitting the combos was fun, as much as getting the, you know, the different kind of moves that you could get was fun, uh, I was getting my ass handed to me nine times out of ten. I'd say 90% of the time, the games I went into, I just like died within the first five minutes. And then I queued up again. I'm like, all right, let's try it again. And there were a few games where like I did pretty well. I killed a couple people and, you know, I'd make it in the top 10 or 12. And then I would just get run done by run down by someone that's much, much better at the game than me. And, you know, get killed and be like, oh, this fucking bullshit, like whatever. And then I'd be like, why am I frustrating myself with this? And trying to get better at a competitive multiplayer game. When I already have one, that I'm like, I'm not amazing at League, but I'm pretty good at it. I can I can get gold every season. You know, I can get that I can get that gold skin pretty much every season. Uh and I ended up putting down Rumbleverse and I went to play League. And I would like to say it wasn't immediately after stopping playing Rumbleverse, but almost immediately after playing Rumbleverse, I went on a 16-game ranked winning streak and got gold this year. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, tw- 12 of so, those games in flex queue. <laughs> but so still. So what? You've, the, the training wheels? Like, it's like the, the Dragon Ball Z, like you had the weights on you while you played Rumbleverse, and suddenly your reflexes were high enough to start dominating League? Uh, no, I think it's just because I was playing Nico and nobody knows how to play against Nico. And then when I had to jungle, I, mean, that's I played true. jungle. <laughs> like, uh, no, I don't yeah. think, I don't think anything translated across other than the, like, like sunk cost fallacy of League, of me having played it for so long, is like, yeah, I really like Smite. I think Smite is an awesome game. And I hope maybe, you know, one of these episodes I'll get around where I'll, I'll take a break from League and I'll just play, like... 20 hours of smite in two weeks and then i can sit down and like really talk about that game and what i like about it and why i think people should play it but at the end of the day i always have league staring at me on my computer and it's like if i want a competitive you know multiplayer experience why wouldn't i just play the thing that i'm already kind of decent at you know it's kind of like when a kid you know when you're growing up as a kid and and you sort of filter out which sport you're good at if you're good at sports and you decide you're going to play that through middle school and into high school. And then you get into high school and all of a sudden, like gym class, you find out like, hey, I'm really good at volleyball. But if you're already a football player and you've already spent, you know, eight years playing, you know, competitive football, you aren't all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, you know what? I actually want to change to be a male volleyball player. Like it's very rare that that sort of trade-off happens where you're going to give up all of this experience and time you've already put into something that you love and you enjoy and you're you know, relatively good at to be like, nah, you know, I'm going to try this other thing. You know, there, there's a reason LeBron plays basketball and not soccer. It's like a sunk cost fallacy. And I hate that that's ultimately what did in my interest in Rumbleverse because it is fun. It ticks a lot of boxes for me. It, the wrestling like motif that it has around it is really fucking cool. I just, I wish I wouldn't have to put so much time into it to be good at it. And then a byproduct of that being good at it means I'll finally start in, like really enjoying it instead of just being like, yeah, I'll play it for 45 minutes. Somebody hit a dumb move on me and I'll rage quit out of it and be like, fuck it. I'm going to go play something else. You know, the way you're describing it really reminds me of my experience with Fall Guys. 
Um, cause I really like fall guys. I think fall guys is a great game. Um, I, I still think it's a great game. I know it had a, a bit of a downswing before it went free to play and, and got some console launches, but I love the concept of it. I thought it was very fun and it's one of those games that's very silly in its design. A lot of those games are built to have at least a little bit of luck involved. At least when you're first starting out, you can kind of get away with a lot of different things. But as people played it more and more and they got better at it, you know, I wasn't able to keep up and play and I started doing worse and worse. And, you know, you start, you do get to that point where it's like, is this my game? Because I've always felt like you can only have two games running at any time, right? You can have the game that's your main game, the one that you're constantly playing. You're either like a live service game or your free-to-play competitive game, whatever it is that's, you know, your thing. For you, it's League of Legends. For me, it's the game we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, as, of, as of now, at least. Um, so you can have one of those, and then you can have the thing that you play um, for fun. That is your, like, I'm trying to experience a story. I'm trying to experience a world, a, a different kind of gameplay, something that's probably, like, single-player. Um and it just means that like games that you might otherwise enjoy fall to the wayside because you simply cannot play all of those games. There aren't enough hours in the day. Um, I would love to play more Pokemon Unite than I do, but I just don't have the hours in the day. I can't remember the last time I booted up League of Legends because I have my own thing now. So I guess the question I have for you, Walter, is in an alternate world... In a world in which you don't already have League of Legends taking up a significant amount of time and, and brain power, could Rumbleverse have been your game? Yes. But with, with a little caveat. I, I think part of the reason that League became my game, right, is... I, I, I probably told the story before of how I got into League. We're, we had gone... Um, to a buddy's house after um, my my brother Alex, the nepotism, the Hearthstone podcast um, guest. We had gone after his graduation party, and one of my high school friends, and, and by now I finished my you know my first year of college, said, "Hey, I've been playing this game called League of Legends. Like, hey, we should all you guys should all try it with me." And we did, and we just like tried it, and. It was like, oh, cool. And, and this is season one. We're talking about, I remember we joined right between uh, uh, Warwick and Vladimir coming out. Like, I vividly remember that time frame. Vlad was the first champion released when I started playing. And it was all about playing with my friends. It was all playing with my friends. And my friends all were way better at me than that game because, honestly, up until playing League of Legends, I'd never considered myself a gamer. I was never a gamer. I, you know, we had consoles. I had a Nintendo 64. I had a PlayStation. I had an Xbox, but my parents were very strict on our game usage. So when I, when I found League, I had my own laptop and I was playing on like a $300 Walmart laptop at six frames a second. Um, eventually my friends were just so much better than me that like, it was almost embarrassing to, for me to play with them. Cause I just would be dragging them down so much. And then eventually me getting better at League was one, I got a, you know, a slightly, I got a better computer that I could actually, you know, cap it at 30 frames and, and actually play the game and, and react to things. But two is that I was trying to get better so that I didn't feel like I was a burden with, with my other friends. And I think for Rumbleverse or really any other competitive game, 
be it Counter-Strike, be it PUBG, be it Fortnite, be it any of these things that require skill to actually be good at, I think I would need to have that combination of youth and friends that play it again to sort of drive me to want to be good at it. Because, let's be honest, if you're not good at something, you eventually stop doing it because it's not fun. It's not fun to, well, for me personally, I don't find the Dark Souls games fun to play because I don't like bashing my head into the wall constantly. And I know I've talked about that before. A lot of people get a lot of satisfaction after repeating the same thing over and over a million times. And then when they finally get it, that endorphin rush of finally beating it is so huge. That just, that just doesn't work for me. I'm a guy that puts things on easy mode because I just want to play it for the story. Or I'll just... You know, once I find one champion in league that I keep winning games on, I'll just grind that champion into the ground until all of a sudden I start losing a bunch of games on the champion. I'm that's just how I'm wired. And and I think part of it is, you know, sort of how I was younger, you know, when things come easy, you just kind of stay attached to them until they don't be, you know, until they're not easy anymore, and then you kind of go away from them. Um, so yeah, it, it could, but I think it it would need there's some caveats to it. And I would say bringing up you can really only play two games at one time. I actually think that's part of why when we came up with other things that we could possibly do for a podcast, I was kind of really pushing this steam cleaners idea because I can't tell you guys how difficult it was for me to balance playing league, playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and playing the other games that I was playing to fill in the time before I talked about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It was really fucking hard. And, like, I probably played very little League around then when I was playing Valhalla compared to what I am now because I don't have another, like you said, my game that's taking up a bunch of my time. And I think that's why this podcast is so important to me is that it does kind of, like, force me to either not pick another super, super, super long game because I'm having a lot of fun playing League and I don't want to give up time with that, or it kind of balances out and instead of being like, okay, I have two of these games going simultaneously that are taking a lot of time, it's, hey, I can drop in and I can play, you know, a week's worth of Rumbleverse and kind of decide, hey, is this worth my time? I can choose, you know, some of these smaller level story games that we've talked about, like... um uh, like uh, the the game with the birds in the mountain. I can choose things like that and, and play that um, or night in the woods or, or things like that because they're shorter experiences and I'm, I'm setting myself a deadline of like, hey, I got two weeks to play this. Let's get it done. Um, that way I can talk about it and, you know, determine whether I like it or not. Um, so yeah, in, in an alternate world, yeah, a- absolutely. Rumbleverse is fun. It's cute. It's quirky. If you like wrestling, it's awesome. If you like a little bit of a challenge and you're into fighting games, like 100%. Um, but in that universe, I wouldn't be gold in um, Season 12 of League of Legends and went on a 16-game ranked winning streak. <laughs> it's true. Your mental health might be better in the long run, but otherwise, <laughs> there's certainly a lot you would have missed. To Chase, you and I both know I hate myself. That's why I play League. <laughs> hey, I watch League for the same reason, my friend. Don't you worry about that. That's true. Oh, but that goodness. being said, you, you mentioned your game. Mm-hmm. So, so what is your game? You know, I 
I'm a big card game guy. I, I don't know how much I've talked about it on the Wait, pod before. Because no, no, never. You're not a card game guy. Come on. <laughs> you just said we weren't going to talk about Magic the Gathering. What the fuck? I know. Well, it's not that one because I think Magic the Gathering Arena has actually uh, got a lot of significant flaws in it that turned me off. But that's a whole other conversation. I've always had a card game in my life. That's been the one thing that has been constant with me. Uh, it used to be Hearthstone. Uh, I don't want to give Activision Blizzard any more of my money, so it's no longer Hearthstone. Uh, and power creep in that game has gotten absurd, so I don't really feel like I'm missing out on much. Then it became Elder Scrolls Legends, which I had a great time with, and it's actually the only game I have ever hit uh, the equivalent of, uh, of uh, Challenger with. I got to the highest rank. I got my master's backing, uh, which felt very nice. Um, and then the game basically got discontinued. They announced they're not doing any more active development. Uh, poor old Sparky Pants, which is one of the best names of a game studio uh, that I've ever gotten a chance to play under. Um, Bethesda just decided it wasn't worth funding because it wasn't bringing enough money. So I had to find somewhere else to go. And luckily for me, Walter, I've also heard of this game called League of Legends before. And Riot, having learned some lessons from Hearthstone and all of the other major card games out there came out with Legends of Runeterra. And Legends of Runeterra has been my shit for about two years now, since the game came out. Um, this is not, for those of you who want like uh, a basic overview of how this works, um, essentially it's like Hearthstone in that you have uh, units and spells um, that you have, uh, you have mana, one mana per turn. Um, so you're constantly increasing your mana without having to have cards dedicated to it. It's uh, got some Magic the Gathering in there and that your spells have different speeds. So there are things you can do right away without your opponent being able to interact. But most things give your opponent a way to interact. Um, so you have to take that into consideration. It's much more of a back and forth than a game like Hearthstone that's very much my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. This is my bit, your bit, my bit, your bit, my bit, your bit. Next turn, reverse the attack, um, which is very cool. And the other thing that really makes it different that's worth keeping in mind from a gameplay perspective is that it is all built around champions. Champions are kind of your legendary cards. And the key with champions are that they essentially are super cards they have the ability to transform when you've hit a certain in-game threshold for a thing like for example Jax came out in the latest expansion and Jax says if equipped allies allies essentially that have been equipped with a weapon weapons are a type of uh of card that was added to the game this expansion um struck for 15 damage he gets to transform and he becomes a much stronger version of himself it's essentially the equivalent of getting your ultimate in league of legends and so it really mirrors that element of it quite well um and and that's all you need to know for the conversation that we're going to have today uh this is not going to be like an in-depth mechanical overview because frankly if you're not playing a card game it's really hard to talk about card games because i can go into all these details about how Pirates, Misfortune, Twisted Fate decks continue to dominate the meta because they just deal so much damage uh, and have so much card draw inherent in them. 
or how Kindred Nasus is very frustrating because you kill your own units before your opponent can interact and it creates this kind of play pattern that feels frustrating at times or whatever. But none of you who aren't playing Legends of Runeterra would care about that because none of these cards mean anything to you. The deck archetypes don't matter. So I guess I want to give you a chance, Walter, if there is anything you're mechanically interested in, uh, feel free to ask away now. But otherwise, I want to talk about everything surrounding the game because Legends of Runeterra is a game that is probably as interesting, if not more interesting, for the things outside of its gameplay as it is inside of its core gameplay. No, in, in all honesty, I haven't played a ton of Legends of Runeterra, but I've played enough that I, I sort of understand the, the general mechanics to it. But I would say, you know, you brought up brought up some of these other games that you played. Obviously, the, the Elder Scrolls game, at, hey, when, when the company ends you know, the game, you can't play it anymore. Why did you gravitate to Legends of Runeterra versus wanting to leave Hearthstone? Uh, let's say it's something for other than just Activision Blizzard is a monster and you didn't want to give them any more money. Uh, but like, why mm. didn't something like Artifact or Gwent or, you know, Magic the Gathering Arena, why didn't any of those games pique your interest? Was it simply just you had a knowledge of League of Legends and you you were interested in seeing what that would look like in a card game? Or was there something more specific? There was a lot, actually. I bounced around card games for a bit because Legends of Runeterra, there was a gap between when Elder Scrolls Legends kind of died and when uh, Legends of Runeterra officially came out. Uh, I played like the beta, but then there was this long period and it was like, well... What's going to be my new card game? I need to get my card game fixed. I am a card game junkie. Where am I going to find this? And so I tried, like, Magic the Gathering Arena. It hadn't come out yet, but they had Magic the Gathering online. And it's fine. The problem with Magic the Gathering is it's just so expensive. You have to buy the cards to keep up. And if you're doing the format that I most enjoy, which is draft, because that way you're kind of building things as you go you don't have to worry about having this like standard deck that you know each card is more expensive because more people want it because it's the thing that's good um and the power level can get a little crazy and, and harder to manage it just takes money it's money and it's time magic the gathering games are very slow because magic the gathering requires you to not just control um your cards, but also to control your mana supply. You have to have these lands that um, that allow you to uh, build up resources and to do the things you want to do. And I just find too many games uh, get decided by either drawing too much mana or too little mana. Which, you know, inherently card games, you're going to have good draws or you're going to get bad draws. But the number of games that just became untenable was too high for me. Uh, I tried Gwent... Gwent is weird, like its positioning elements are interesting, but I do find that it is um, kind of, it, it doesn't feel as much like the kind of card game core that I like because so much of it is being able to predict what your opponent's going to do on that next row and thinking like five turns ahead from this positioning perspective. Uh, Gwent's gotten, I think, better since the era in which I played it. They've they've revamped some things, and I've heard that it's good for people who like that kind of thing. Um, it just didn't quite click with me. The Pokemon trading card game is fun. It's just very simplistic. 
uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh card game can go fuck itself in its modern day. I did play a lot of Duel Links, and Duel Links was great while it was still limited to the kind of power level that I was used to from back when I played. And then slowly but surely, they started adding the sets back in that I had escaped from. And it's like, well, this isn't the game I want to play anymore. I'm not trying to play Wombo Combo the game, where it's all about can you get your Link summons and Synchro summons and XYZ summons and blah, 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 blah. Makes my head hurt. Uh, and I tried Shadowverse. Shadowverse, interesting. The transform mechanic, uh, every card having this like more powerful version of itself, really cool. Um, it's very anime. And I say that without shaming anybody who loves that kind of thing. I, I get it. I understand the appeal. I just found it, um, some of the art I found to be uh, off-putting in a way that I couldn't quite get over. Uh, and, you know, with Hearthstone, I, I left with the Blitzchung thing. That was the thing that really took me out of it. Um, but even if I could have ignored that, it's just the power level has gotten so out of control. Um, it is just expanded so far beyond what it used to be that I just didn't find it to be nearly as fun as I once did. So I went through the games. I really tried to find something. Uh, and Legends of Runeterra was just the best of all of those worlds. It had the interaction that I loved from Magic the Gathering, but with the mana system from Hearthstone that I enjoyed while also having this new element in spell mana that really rewarded you for thinking turns ahead, like some of those games that I had loved. Um, the champion dynamic is really interesting and it enables clear archetypes that make deck building satisfying and fun. And it really solidified itself once you started getting into some of the solo player modes because they do have a PVE system similar to games that I've loved like Slay the Spire or Monster Train, or uh, Griftlands. You know, I, I love those kinds of roguelike card games. And Legends of Runeterra's version now called Path of Champions is a lot more in-depth than the original version of that was, but having a roguelike that you could keep playing without having to, like, deal with opponents or a frustrating meta if things ever got to a certain point um, was really cool and fun. So... Certainly the League of Legends background and everything had a huge part of it. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff aesthetically that's just brilliant about this game. The art, gorgeous. Every card has a full version of the, of the card art that you can see at any point, including in the middle of the game. And the art is great. They really did a great job of uh, expanding upon all these different lore elements and all these different you know, in, in each of the, the 10 regions that the game chooses to cover. Um, they did a really good job at uh, incorporating a lot of side characters into things. It, it's a fleshed out world now, and every card also has its own flavor text. It has lore that gets built in. So if you're someone like me who eats that stuff up, Legends of Runeterra gives it to you in spades. And as of the most recent expansion, Walter, we have a champion that is not in League of Legends. Uh, Nora, Yumi's owner, is now in Legends of Runeterra as a champion, um, which, I'll be honest, isn't the like non-official champion that I would have been most excited for, but we're going to get more of them, and some of them will be interesting. So I, I am down to, to like 
see the world explored in that way and how much has been put into this larger atmosphere. And I'd say that that's the thing that ultimately won this game for me is the flavor and aesthetic production value and the atmosphere that it builds. It all feels very satisfying. And in a card game, when you combine that with by far the most player favorable uh, uh payments model that any any card game i have ever played physical digital whatever this game is so player friendly i have not had to spend a single dollar on cards walter i used to drop 60 dollars per hearthstone expansion to get like a fifth of the set yep. and i have not had to pay a dime for legends of runeterra cards i've got to spend it all on cosmetics so they still got me like they're still getting my money but it's on things i'm actually like excited to pay for and i can opt into paying for rather than feeling like i have to to keep up i have enough gems just from playing the game from getting the rewards uh that i can craft sets for months if i stopped playing today i could come back six months from now and craft every card that they will have added and no other game does that it's honestly arguably too player friendly because it's prevented them from making as much money on the game as riot would have liked which is why we're seeing some developers start moving away from Legends of Runeterra and onto other projects like that MMO that Riot keeps working towards. So um, <laughs> outside of that, though, it sure is nice. It's just, it, it has all of the things that you want if you are someone who loves the aesthetics and feel of a game as much as I do. So, so two quick questions before now, then you can go gush about all the out of stuff, out of game stuff that they've added in here. Uh, the first is you talk about like the player friendly and how how you've amassed all these gems. Like, how much do you play a day, a week? You know, like how many hours do you think you're spending on it to get it to that point where you're able to get all the cards without spending real money? Maybe an hour a day on average. Like, not a ton, honestly, um, for this kind of game. And I could play less, and I'd still be fine. Like I said. I have enough banked to craft every card that could come out for at least six months to a year if I just stopped playing now, never got any of the rewards from the battle passes that come out, never got any of those things. So it's, at this point, it is a formality. Um, and that's with playing, you know, let's say six, seven hours a week. It's very reasonable, very doable, uh, especially when it's a card game. So you can have it, you can be playing it while other things are going on in the background while you're watching a TV show, listening to a podcast, watching YouTube videos on the second monitor. Like, it's so easy to fit in, and I get so much more than I did from the same amount of time, if not more time, because I had more free time back then than I did with Hearthstone. It's not even close. It's not a competition. Gotcha. I, I guess that's actually, like, really encouraging then, that it's it's that little playtime. Because I know I, I, I remember the Hearthstone Thing. You know, I remember when I moved to Vegas, I actually got way back into it and I had all of these cards that were no longer, you know, useful for standard play. And I did, I had to do, you know, Hey, let's spend 60 bucks on the new, new packs to try and catch up and play standard. So it's actually pretty encouraging that you can be a, a free to play player and still be able to get all the cards you need slash want to actually be fairly competitive. Uh, my other question actually is about the the Lee, you know, Legend of Runeterra specific champion. 
How did the community react to that, even though I guess the choice of Nora is still kind of baked into the Riot Games League of Legend lore, you know, via Yumi? Because I remember at Heroes of the Storm when Orphea came out and was a, a Heroes of the Storm specific champion. It did not exist. Uh, she didn't exist anywhere else in, you know, Blizzard's kind of lore that there was sort of like memes and jokes about, well, of course the champion had to be busted when it came in because nobody else would play her because they had no attachment to her. It, was there any kind of outcry about that or was uh, the, the Legends of Ruterra community pretty receptive to a, a game specific character? Well, I will first let me uh, like address the, the first concern. Uh, Nora's bad. That card is terrible. So they absolutely did not make her strong in order for people to feel connected uh, to the champion. Uh, it's very much a uh, for fun card, I would say, more than anything. Though it has a couple decks that are fine. Um, but honestly, I would say that the community handled it pretty well. There were certainly some people who were like, oh, why did Nora get in when my favorite champion hasn't gone in yet? Like, I'm waiting for these things and uh, you know, I, I wanted to see this, that, or the other thing. And the answer to that, of course, right, is that you can't release all of the League of Legends champions and then only have non-League of Legends champions to release until new champs come out, right? Like, that would be a terrible cadence as far as champion releases go. Um, so given the pace of the game, given the long-term planning that it has, I think it's something that a lot of the community recognized was necessary in the long run you can argue whether it was necessary this early in the game's development because there are a lot of champs that still aren't in the game but it is something that i think a lot of people are excited about because legends of runeterra has been built so much about building up the lore of the game every card has lore every card has flavor text and full art and all of these th and you know voice lines and whatever else and we have characters that we're like waiting to become champions in either the main game or here because they've come up in multiple different things. There's a called, card called Scythria. Uh, Scythria has had multiple different cards. There's her when she's just a little squire, like learning how to become a warrior. There's a version of her when she's Scythria the Bold and she's like this kind of general now and she can command troops and make all of her troops stronger. And then there is a 10-mana uh, card... Uh, Scythria, the uh, Lady of the Clouds, and when she is the Lady of the Clouds, she's like this beast riding on top of like these armored griffins and uh, uh, essentially uh, charging into battle, uh, having refined all of her um, kind of battle expertise from this journey that we've seen her on, including one card where she's not even named. She's just like a squire in the military because that's what she would have been along that journey. That's the kind of storytelling you just don't get in uh, MOBA, right? You don't have time for that. You're not going to give little storylines to each minion. You might have characters that show up in multiple champs bios, but they really only do that when they think they're going to do something with that character. Whereas here it's like, okay, let's say uh, that Nami is coming out. Well, Nami is based off of uh, Bilgewater. Well, what if she had a whole bunch of undersea creatures that were part of her archetype? Well, that makes a lot of sense, but how would we handle that flavor-wise? Well, 
what if there was this conchologist, a guy whose whole thing is like going around Bilgewater and studying this aqua life. And so all of the, all of the different cards are uh, flavor text of him uh, going around and marking down his notes as to what all of these creatures are. And if you expand the card art, you can see him uh, getting uh, very much like nibbled at or running away from some of these bigger creatures or like getting too close to another thing. And it's all, it all builds on itself. It's a world. And when it's about a world rather than just these raw individual characters, you can get away with that kind of thing, I think, a lot easier. That's that's pretty reasonable. I I will say I don't know how I necessarily feel about wanting to then add characters that were added into Legends of Ruterra into League. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it should be a two-way street to me as a League of Legends player. Um, but that being said, Chase, like you said, there's been some some interesting developments outside the game. Um, what, like, what's going on? Why would you want to get into Legends of Runeterra right now? Well, the two things that are interesting about where the game is right now. The first is that Path of Champions, the PvE mode, has been substantially expanded and... Contrary to some of the concerns that were made when uh, some devs started moving away from the project, they've actually done a really good job of expanding upon the concept. You basically, you'll, you'll start with some champ a champion that you've unlocked. And each champion has abilities, these star powers, that as you get more points, you can put into leveling them up and they get more powerful. It's a passive ability that they'll have on every run. As you get more experience with the character, you'll start upgrading their deck. So their deck will, you know, their cards will have items attached to them. And these items enhance the cards and make them stronger in some way. And as you go through each adventure, you go on to different spaces. You fight things and that'll allow you to get new cards or upgrade certain things. And you'll go to these different nodes on the map. And, and much like a Slay of the Spire or whatnot, you can kind of choose which direction you want to go down as far as the path is concerned and do different things to augment your deck. Um, it's really cool. It's really fun. And they just added these kind of uh, weekly quests to it. So now, even if you were to uh, just kind of uh, want to uh, grind out the, the missions that you have, there's always going to be something new, some weird combination of abilities, both positive and negative, that you'll have to play around. And so it always gives you a reason to come back to it, which I think is very good. Um, it's also right now we're in the middle of a Darken-themed expansion. So the card art has been gorgeous and terrifying. And I love things that are both gorgeous and terrifying uh, when it comes to the world building. So that's been really fun to see. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about, because I do have some concerns, um, is that they've talked about adding a rotation mode into the game. And I don't know how that's supposed to work. Because typically, when you think of card game rotations, like standard in Hearthstone is an example of a rotation format, right? It's like the last two years of cards. You can't really do that in Legends of Runeterra. 
Because the sets, at least the first four sets, really, are built around an individual region. So if you just said, we're only doing sets within the first two years, you would be disproportionately affecting the regions that came out before then. Like Rising Tides was the first expansion. It's mostly Bilgewater. So if you just cut Rising Tides, Bilgewater is down to like a third of their card pool. That doesn't seem fair. That seems uh, unreasonable compared to every other faction that loses like 10 cards versus like 60, you know? That seems like a, a bad balance of things. So I don't know how they handle it. Because you, theoretically you'd have to make like a core set. And I don't know how they would define what's core and what isn't. But I guarantee you, given that it's built on champions something that people have strong feelings about. You know, they have their mains, they have the, the flavor and the type of archetype they like to play. There's no way to keep everybody happy if you decide what is and is not in the core set. People are going to be really bummed when their favorite champion isn't available in the mode that historically is always the mode that gets more direct uh, dev attention. It's a fine tool towards reducing power creep, and uh, it's an easier way to... Uh, allow things to be balanced if you don't have the dev time and energy to really flesh out all of these different elements. But I don't know what you cut. I don't think there's anything that you can remove without removing a core reason why people love the game in the first place. So there aren't a lot of details on that yet. We don't know exactly what it'll look like. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just like... If you like card games, if you want something that is quick while still being interactive, if you want something that has PvP and PvE that are both equally good and that you can rotate between and get rewards for each, like no matter what mode you play, you can get enough rewards to keep yourself free to play just fine. Um, no one does it like Legends of Runeterra. It's so sharp and so crisp and so just fun and even when the balance in the meta and competitive isn't ideal it doesn't matter because i can just play the pve mode and there it's all about exploiting broken dumb shit so it all comes together really really nicely so um it's a great game won't you it's a, it's a real good one. so two final questions what is your favorite deck Oh, uh, right now or ever? Both. This is our two different answers. <laughs> um, my favorite deck, and this is going to get a lot of people mad at me, which is why I'm happy to say it. Um, I loved Azira Aurelia. A lot of people have very strong, very negative opinions of Azira Aurelia because there was a time in the meta in which it was too powerful. And there's it, absolutely, it was a concern. They've nerfed like half the cards in the deck and it's still good, which is always a good sign that things were overtuned. But man, it's just fun. It's just, you get all the sand soldiers from Azir that are constantly coming in to attack things and Aurelia gives you these blades that like the blade dance mechanic is constantly giving you free attacks. So you're just throwing all of these things at your opponent and just like daring them to keep up as you win this war of attrition. And I find that really satisfying. I, I've always really liked that style of gameplay. 
um, especially in a game like this where uh, control decks can be hard um, because of the nature of, you know, the games don't typically last that long. Uh, but it works really well, um, that kind of like uh, forcing your opponent onto the back foot and to react to this kind of onslaught. Um, right now, I'm really enjoying Jack's Vi. Um, because it runs a card called Concurrent Timelines. And Concurrent Timelines says that the first time you play a follower, that is a unit that is not a champion, each round, you pick one of three followers of the same cost to transform it into. So you get the effect from playing it. Hearthstone players would know this is a battle cry. You still get that, but you also transform the unit into something new. So in this case, you run a lot of units who have uh, pretty weak bodies because it makes up for it by um, having these items that, you, that get equipped to it. That's kind of the balancing thing. But with concurrent timelines, you change the body that the weapon attaches to. So instead of having a, a strong weapon on a weak body that then becomes a resource to do other things with, you get a strong weapon on a strong body and suddenly you can just dominate a game out of nowhere because RNG Jesus was on your side. And it is degenerate as, as any game, any card that is built around that kind of uh, randomness. I know there's another one, Orn Trundle, right now that I don't have as much experience yet, but I've heard is equally um, infuriating when you're on the losing side of. But there's just something really satisfying about putting together these combos one piece at a time that I really enjoy. Gotcha. And then... Uh... Let's say, let's say you had a friend. Let's say mm -hmm. you had a friend who might be interested in playing mm -hmm. this game. And let's say that friend, when they liked to play Magic the Gathering, really liked playing, like, plus one token manipulation. You know, Simic, Golgari, uh, Grawl-type decks. What, uh, yeah. what might you suggest that they play? Ah, there are a couple good ones for that. Um, my favorite right now is uh, Elise Gwen Katarina. Um, you splash the Katarina, um, but Gwen is this card that uh, has an ability Hollowed, and Hollowed says that when, uh, you know, we, your leftmost attacker basically gets plus one attack for every Hollowed unit that dies. So over the course of the game, you have these kind of cheap Hollowed units that all die off, and eventually you get these big units that are constantly attacking, and they get these massive attack buffs time and time again because uh, they're all trying to, um, uh, because they're all getting that hallowed buff. So you're just getting stronger and stronger, and each token is getting better and better as you go on. Uh, the other one is Evelyn Viego, which is probably more in line with Simic directly. Um, Evelyn is the one that makes tokens. She makes these things called husks that when you play a unit, you kill the husk and you get their stats and their uh, their keyword. And so you have cards that can buff up the power and toughness of the husk so that you get more stats when you eat them. Uh, and Viego has this kind of encroaching mist uh, ability where it creates a an ephemeral unit, which is a unit that dies at the end of the turn. But each time you play an encroaching mist, the mist gets stronger. It gets plus one, plus one each time. And Viego gets plus one, plus one each time. And when it gets plus one, plus one, it is not just to the one on the board. It is everywhere. 
every Viego in your deck gets that buff. Every Encroaching Mist going forward gets that buff. And so you're just constantly ramping up with these bigger and bigger units and basically daring your opponent to stop you. Um, you could also go with Pike Rek'Sai. That has a Lurk mechanic that is very much about um, if you have a Lurk character on the top of your deck, all of your Lurkers get plus one attack for the rest of the game. And so as you go on, you just become more and more fearsome with these Sea Monsters and Void Beasts that you command. So there's a lot for people that are wired, like, I don't know, a friend of mine who might, I might do a podcast with. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, yeah, no, I, I will, I will inform that friend of your, of your suggestions and, uh, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps they may have to give it a try because I think that friend may have a couple hours a week to just play a card game and, and kind of relax while he's, you know, listening to the the edited version of a podcast that he might uh he might do oh that would be fantastic we could we could uh if that person existed they could play some games against me i'd be happy to walk them through it and you can play some path of champions because it's a quick way to go through it you don't have to worry about your opponent taking their time you can just go on through the computer will always react immediately as you did a thing it's a great way to get a lot of experience and in really uh uh get a sense of whether the game's going to be for you um though i think this game has a lot for basically everybody so um that's my uh if you can't tell i'm going to recommend this game i uh, i really love it it's i would argue and i've played a lot of card games so i do not say it lightly when i say that it is the best trading card game i have ever played uh there is a living card game named summoner wars that i love and have a lot of like personal connections with so it's hard for me to compare those two but as far as trading card games go it's the best one i've ever played it's the most player friendly it's the most dynamic it's the most interesting it's the most visually impressive to me it's just really good it's a good game we like good uh, games we like good games and we like good podcasts which hopefully this was one uh if you uh, agree with that, you can find me at Chase Wassner on Twitter. Uh, if you disliked it, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Listen, listen, this is definitely in the top 50% of podcasts that we've ever done. And, you know, <laughs> 50% is, is passing, I think, in the UK, right? Isn't that? I don't know. I don't live there. I don't really <laughs> care. Uh, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Uh, as always, you guys can find the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Uh, if you're giving a listen here on the uh, on the uh, Steam Cleaners feed, thank you so much. And if you want to get uh, both of the feeds at once, you can follow us on your uh, podcast listening platform of choice at the Rough Drafts Podcast. And if you just want the movies, you just hopped over here because you were interested in what we had to talk about after we, uh, we talked about players uh there is always the final cut feed for the movies and i guess television shows because we've done a couple of those too uh to to get your fix um and yeah i'm gonna play magic this weekend it'll be fun yeah have a great time i look forward to to hearing your stories um i i i, I think it's uh in the format that you are playing i think there's a lot of fun to have 
And uh, come back two weeks from now when we talk about two other games that we hopefully both have a lot of fun with. And until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>